Next time you're feeling down, feeling that no one really gets you, or you're just wanting to hear some encouraging words, well, there's a solution. You can have what you want. You can do it. The finish line is closer than you think. The Cheers to You CD is eight tracks filled with encouragement and cheering applause. It's even been featured on the Ellen DeGeneres Show. We're on your side. We're here for you. We believe in you. We guarantee you'll be feeling better about yourself and your life, or we'll give you your money back. Call 1-877-545-6715 now to order the Cheers to You CD, and you'll also receive three puzzle-shaped affirmative tokens. One says, I am courageous. Another, I am unstoppable. And the third, without me, the puzzle is incomplete. Together, all these items normally sell for $35, but right now you can get them for only $24.95. Call now, and don't forget, hooray for you! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Boundaries podcast, where facts are facts and opinions hurt people's feelings. As always, we encourage you to rate, review, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on Amazon Music. If you just go to Google and you type our name in, we're probably one or two in the search bar. And when I say we, I refer to myself, Javito, and Willie F. What does the F stand for this go around? Uh, foolery. Foolery. Speaking of foolery, we're at like maybe like 250 episodes. And there's only been one episode that had to be taken down. Only one episode. That's one with the Don't call it, it was it was some foolery that I did, but we have Remy back. The legendary one episode that was removed from platforms that we had to repost. Seriously? Yeah. Wait, it was the one that y'all did with me that was taken down? One that we did with you that was taken down. Why? Because I posted some stuff that I didn't have copyright clearance. Was Jay-Z, right? Yeah. That was the one with his mama talking? Yeah. You got to find that down. again. That was a good episode. Oh, I, I, I just took that off and I reposted it. it it's up now. But it, it, the that. original episode had to be pulled. See, that's why I don't, that's why I don't fuck with Hov. <laughs> see? See? Hey man, give me one second though. Well, so someone reached out to you and said something, or yeah, SoundCloud was like, "Say, my man, do you do you have clearance to use this?" And I was like, "Well, under fair use, I used less than thirty seconds, and I altered it from its original state. Like I put some kind of noise in the background where it just mm. wasn't the record playing." And they was like, "Nah, man, that's <laughs> that's not gonna cut it. I need you to take that down. That's one strike." I was like, "Wow, I got a strike!" Like. It was an honest mistake. It was like, nah, don't let it happen too many more times. Mm. Oh wow, I did not know. So, I did not know that. But then again, I don't. I don't see how I would be expected to know. But I didn't. Know that. See, see, that was that was that was some back 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 wall production stuff going on, and you know, I just handled it and got it back up. But that's the only time in since 2016 that we've. Um, I'm not gonna say lost an episode, but had to pull an episode. Yeah, because we've definitely lost quite a few episodes. Quite a few episodes. We haven't lost one in a long time. Yeah, because we're professionals. We're professionals. Professional idiots. So, <laughs> are like comparing like um, Clubhouse to like podcast or something? Oh no, um, he he was speaking on 
um, uh, I guess a chat, chat, some type of chat form that he was on where people no, like, no, you know. Let me tell you a story. Tell you a story. Okay, cool. So, I, I didn't want to put too much out there, but go ahead. I, I signed up for like this networking group, you know, young black professionals networking. And so I got into the group probably a few days ago after waiting about a week and a half. And then so, you know, there, there are a couple of, of events posted, but a lot of the time they do weekend get togethers. I was looking from the chat thread. So a couple of people posted in there, hey, you know, what's going on this weekend? Anything going on this weekend? And it's it's probably around 150 people in this group. Of course, not every, all of them are active, but it seems like only three or four of them are actually talking to each other. Like they they acknowledge each other, but they don't acknowledge anybody else. So it's kind of like, why, why is are everybody else in here? Like some people be like, hey, you know, I do lashes. You need your lashes done. I'm a barber, you know, stuff like that. But then the other people, it's like, don't communicate at all. So it's like, what? What is the? How are we truly networking if only four people talk to each other and you ignore everybody else? Right. And then that's what well brought up Clubhouse. Mm. Oh, okay. I would say, I mean, groups that I've been. I'm not gonna lie. I've been in groups where I just look at everybody's stuff and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Just nosy. Just nosy. I, so I don't even know. I don't even have much to say to that because I've I've been on both sides. Like I've I've been on both sides. Maybe sometimes the person hasn't said anything that's relevant to me, or maybe sometimes I might go in a group and I feel like mm, this is not my cup of tea, or this is not what I thought it was supposed to be. So I don't know. I've been on both sides. So okay, I'm gonna ask you two questions. When when you're when you're on Clubhouse form, mm. when you when you're dealing with something that's not your cup of tea. What type of conversation is that usually? I'm just curious. Well, typically with Clubhouse, you know, you see the rooms, the title of the room. So you kind of have an idea what type of room it is before you even go into the room because they have a title. So like there's certain rooms I just would not go into. Like it would they like Clubhouse is endless. All right. They can have a room about politics or the president and a, a moaning room right underneath it. Right. <laughs> so like. It's like <laughs> A moaning uh, room? A moaning room? Yeah, like they be having like moaning contests and stuff. So there's so many different things. And it could, or it could be about networking or how to make coffee. It's and Clubhouse is endless, right? Now, um, granted, when you start, it asks you like what your interests are and stuff like that. So it can kind of curate what you see a little bit more. And then sometimes the people you follow could kind of change that too. So if I follow um, Jay and I see him, I could see that he's in that room. It will show me what rooms Jay is in. So in a, in a certain way, it kind of has it exposes people because you see what rooms the people following you follow the back and you see what rooms they're in. So, so I don't I'm, even. Think, I'm looking at some perverted shit. It's gonna say Jay over here being nasty, and you can be like, no, he leave him over there by himself. Yeah, exactly what it's gonna show me. It's gonna show me everybody that's in that room that I follow. It's gonna show other people too, but it's really kind of trying to show like, hey, Jay's in this room. It may be interesting to you too because you guys are friends. So do you want to hop in this room too? I think that's kind of what their point is of showing me that. So to me, it feels like Clubhouse like went up really, really fast and then just fell off the map. Like I don't know anybody else, anybody that's still doing club. Well, I don't see it promoted as much. Like I remember like it was invite only. Somebody had to send you something to get mm -hmm. into Clubhouse and stuff like that. Is it have, when, have you been on recently to 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 know like that's what yeah. it is or still? Yeah, so it, it, of course at first it was beta. So and when it was beta mode, they were still testing it out. So it was invite only. It was more like elite type people and then and then it became um it was just iPhone only at that point too. So and then it wasn't open up to as much countries. 
So then when it became out of testing mode and then more countries got opportunities and then now it went to Android, more and more people got on it. And then, yeah, so it's definitely not as much as it used to be, but there's still a lot of different relevant conversations on there. I will probably get on Clubhouse a couple times a week just like, just to hear what's going on, what what people what people are talking about. It's I I I I love Clubhouse. Like I've done mm-hmm. a case study on Clubhouse before for work. So <laughs> good old case studies. You gotta have a case study and just you know going some some way. That's I love yeah. a good case study. Yeah, I love and, a good case study. And Clubhouse, honestly, and I I don't even think too many people know this. I know at work my coworkers know this, but Clubhouse is how I found out about my new career like i just started like i just just now started in january like a new job and i'm having to relocate and it's my first ever like six figure job before i wasn't making six figures and i found out about it in clubhouse and i just started doing some research because i went into this room like oh how to join the tech space like the non-traditional way so okay like i knew i wanted to get into tech but i knew i didn't want to do like the typical like i I didn't want to do a software engineer I didn't want to be like cybersecurity, you know, those typical um, yeah. tech roles everybody talked about. So they had different recruiters talking about different, you know, spaces in the tech space that's non-coding and stuff. So there was one recruiter talking about a UX researcher. And my background is like in journalism communication anyway. So the more and more she started talking, I was like, oh, this sounds, this sounds like right up my alley. Like, what's she talking about? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I started just doing research on it and looking it up and, um, you know, was able to land a job. You know, I, I think I got my offer letter maybe sometime back in December and I started January 4th of this year. So if it wasn't for Clubhouse, I probably wouldn't have known about it. So, I mean, I might have eventually, but not this soon. Yeah. yeah, shout out to shout out to Clubhouse. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't know if we can even bring that up on the show because uh, that was one of the reasons why the scheduling was kind of hard with you. Because you were telling me, like, I'm getting ready to move. And I, w- I wanted to ask you something, like, are you leaving Texas or are you just relocating, meaning you're just moving around in where we are now? Like, no, 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 moving. no. I ain't moving to out of Texas. So you want me to say what I'm moving to? <laughs> no, you don't, you don't have to. No, you don't have to say that. I was just, that's that's what's up, though. That's 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 huge. Uh, I've, done, I've, done, I've done that. I've, I've left Texas to go get the bag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't know if you guys know this. I think y'all do, but I'm not even from Texas. So like, yeah, yeah, I'm from Atlanta. So I came to mm-hmm. Houston like 10 years ago. So um, we're actually, I'm moving actually to Nashville. I know you're from like Nashville, but yeah, it's Nashville. But um, that's, that's where the corporate office is. And that's, you know, where they want me. And we kind of like it to a certain extent because it's closer to Atlanta. So it's closer to home. So like with my husband and I, you know, planning to probably have kids soon and, you know, do some other things like it's, it's. It's, it's it gives you space but not too close like it's still a good three hours away but my mom doesn't have to like you know take a flight she could just drive up or my sister could just drive up you know three hours away and stuff so it's more yeah, ten, uh, i think i think tennessee in general is kind of underrated because when i went to chattanooga man i was like this is a beautiful city i haven't had a chance to um, enjoy nashville or memphis or anything like that yet but i mean from what i saw with chattanooga i was like man people sleeping on tennessee so yeah. I don't I've been yeah, to Memphis I feel a couple of times. Like the first time I went to Memphis, I was like, oh yeah, this place is dope. The second time I went to Memphis, I was like, this it seems a little off-putting. Like it seemed like a very dreary, kind of downrun city. And it might have just been the time of the year and the weather. I forget. It was like was it like late September, I think I went, and the weather was bad. So it just really wasn't 
exciting. Like I remembered it because I went last time I went, the first time I went, it was like during the summer and it was like nice. The what year? What year? Team. It had to be 15, 16, maybe. Damn. Oh, Let, me wow. you, let me tell you something, Javito. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we're on this logistics thing because now that you say that you 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 moved from Atlanta 10 years ago yeah. and you're in Houston. And in that 10 year span, what can you say about Houston? Like, how do you feel like? How do you feel about truly leaving this city? Because, I mean, obviously you made friends out here. Oh. But, like, as far as what the city is and what you've seen it become in 10 years, what could you, what would you say about it? I, I really feel like I literally claim Houston now. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard not to, like, Houston is so, like, diverse, right? Like, that's one good thing about it. It is so diverse, the culture, so many different groups of people. Um, food, like... Like, Houston food, like, Atlanta's food has nothing on Houston. Like, I go back to Atlanta, and I'd be like, okay, I want to get back to Houston. I need some. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's just a different type of vibe. And I like that Houston has that balance between, like, corporate and, like, real life or something like that. Like, I feel like when I go back to Atlanta, it's just all, like, this, this, um, I don't know, like Hollywood, low-key Hollywood, Instagram-type life when I go back to Atlanta. I don't know how to explain. Like, trying to, like, maybe, like, keeping up keeping up with the, what is, what is, what is the family again? What is the family? The Kardashians? No, like the real saying. Keeping up with the Johnsons. Oh, keeping up, keep up with the Johnsons. Oh, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look how brainwashed <laughs> I am. Mandela effect. I was like, well, no, the real family, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like Atlanta still gives me that when I go there. Um, so so more changed in Atlanta than it changed in Houston? So you were here 10 years and you felt, all right, I like this, but then you would go back to Atlanta and it was like that? Or was that Atlanta always Hollywood before you left? Atlanta was always Hollywood. But mind you, I was younger. I was younger then. So um, my perspective was a little bit different then. But I feel like Atlanta was even Hollywood then. Like, I felt like I wouldn't have grown to the person that I was if I stayed in Atlanta because when I look back at some of my friends that's still in Atlanta they're in this thing they're they have not really moved in 10 years that's interesting because I feel like I have a, a a similar experience with Houston I mean that's just just me though but I, I'm noticing that people every time I ask like like transplants to Houston, like why they moved here they were like it's the vibe it's the vibe and like they'll tell me where they come from I mean I, I I've met a couple of people from Los Angeles, and it's always amazing to hear somebody say, I'm going from Los Angeles to Houston. I'm like, ain't that a downgrade? It was like, no, nah, no, nah. like Houston is a vibe. And I'm like, I was like, man, but for me, it, it almost feels like Houston has gotten like super Hollywood. I, I mean, I, for me, I tell Jay this all the time, I kind of feel like it's gotten dangerous. But I mean, I think that just comes with just being super pop, heavily populated and just a mix of cultures different ideologies blah blah but um that's that's pretty interesting i'm i'm glad you like it but then that sucks that you're moving there because that means that that's a that was a tough decision to make until they said hey look at this this is what you'll be making Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was a tough decision until they say hey look what you're making the benefits you know bonuses and then you know the pros and cons by being closer to family all that stuff now i would say nashville does have um 
their um, cost of living is much higher. So I guess Nashville is still considered music city. And then, mm. uh, yeah, it's con- and then I didn't even know it's still the number one place for um, bachelorette parties. Like it's it's higher than Las Vegas. And I was just like, what? Like, mm. I've, I've actually heard a lot of women have their bachelorette party in Nashville. And I'm you told like, me that Jay Jay was the first person to tell me that. So yeah, so it, yeah, that's it's Music City. So you get a lot of these like old town country girls. Like from like Wyoming, Ottawa, like they get their wings. I'm moving to Nashville, and they like they, <laughs> and it's like yeah. It's, so it's the cost of living is way higher than Houston. Okay, okay. And so, my baby, so this, not not to get not to get too deep into your business, but still, um, with the with the way that that society is now, how's it going to be for your husband? Like, is he going to be able to work remotely? Is he going to have to get a new job? Like, how's that going to work? So he was remote before COVID. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. He has always been. Because I remember he was in Atlanta before y'all got married. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to remember the last time we talked, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, he was in Atlanta before he got married. But I feel like the last time we talked, he was already here. Just, just yeah, not to he, be a weirdo. He just got there. Not to okay. be a weirdo, but the last time we spoke was January 12, 2020. You're a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> then yeah, he was here. <laughs> Yeah, he was here, but he he was always home before COVID, oh, and okay. he hasn't really settled in Houston for him to have any attachment to Houston yet. Right, right. Like his the friends that he has in Houston were friends from Atlanta that moved to Houston before he even you know came. So and they were like you know married friends. So I was already hanging with you know the you know the the wives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So two of them, I met them through him anyway. So those are his two main friends in Houston. They're from Atlanta. Uh, yeah, he hasn't, and he hasn't really met friends, friends per se, yeah. in Houston. So he's not. I'm, I'm, I've always curious of you know how how the relocation works for the spouse because like, hey, this is a good opportunity for for both of us. This isn't just for me, and that's how you, that's how you look at it when you're. When you're planning and like you said you know you want to start a family and you want to make sure that you know family is going to be close so now you're going to be close to atlanta so it's always a, a dynamic of like hey i'm just not going here for me i'm going here for us this is great mm-hmm. for us and his brothers are in atlanta too so it's just him and his brothers here his parents still live in nigeria and he's mm-hmm. the oldest out of four so him even moving to houston was kind of a big leap for him because he's never him and his brothers never been separated like that like since they've been in the united states you know, since their parents live in a whole different country, he just never right. been separated from his brothers like that for such a, a long period of time. Um, even though they're all grown, he still has this older brother syndrome. And I don't know. I always tell him I think it's something different with guys because me and my sisters, like, we be like, girl, go on. Like, we <laughs> like we're close, but, you know, we don't like we don't want to be tied up under each other like that. Like I think with girls, we're just more like independent and stuff like that. Him and his brothers, they've always just really been like dependent so much on each other. I don't know. It, it, I I just I don't know. It just was never me and my sisters. So I think he just had this older brother syndrome, like leaving his younger brothers. But so I think he'll he'll like to be back to Nashville, be closer to his brothers. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, that's. I would think that that's probably personality driven. Cause I mean, I'm I, I'm the youngest, so I don't think my brothers. I mean, our my me and my brother, we're all close, but we've never aspired to be like, hey, make sure we're miles of each other. Like I got a I got a brother in Denver, and I got a brother deep south side of Houston, and I mean, we see each other periodically, but it's it's never been. I mean, I guess 
I mean, I guess that's a good, there's pros and cons to that, but um, I feel like the way things are set up now, I mean, we're, we know that we're good. We don't mm-hmm. never have, we don't have to, I mean, and then once again, I, I I never really just sat there and just like asked my oldest brother, like, do you feel like you got to watch over me and constantly check on me? Because I mean, I mean, technically he really doesn't, because I feel like he doesn't, he, he knows he doesn't have to. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, I have those siblings where I was like, I know she's going to be good. I don't have to worry about her. She she handles her business. I, you know, rarely check on her because I know she's going to be good. Every now and then, hey, you know, what's going on? And she'll tell me a bunch of stuff that's happened, but she's already handled it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I just, I just know that sister is going to be okay. Now, I got those other two that I, I need to check on, like, <laughs> on a weekly basis just to be like, all right, you know, y'all ain't doing no dumb shit over here, right? <laughs> just making sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's how it is with me. So I'm the oldest too, and like there's two of them. I know they're fine. The youngest one is still at home, so she is fine. It's the 21 year old that I gotta feel like I've got to constantly check on because <laughs> I know how I was when I was 21, and her Instagram reflects how I was when I was 21. So <laughs> that's the one I feel like I always gotta check on. Wow, that's you said twenty one year old, and I'm sitting here like I have a son that's seventeen. So yeah, put that in yeah, put that into perspective. Like yeah, like idiot. Yeah, you definitely got to watch this uh this Gen Z crowd because they 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 act grown as hell. Like they really do. But then you think about like when you see certain things they do, like yeah, y'all dumb as fuck. Like y'all y'all act grown, but y'all are, y'all are not smart. Like yeah. y'all have. Y'all have a lot of information, but y'all are like, y'all do dumb things. And then you remember when you were 17, 18, like, yeah, I did dumb things too. But I, I don't think, I don't think I tried to act grown though. Like yeah. they do, they, they dress grown. Well, technically we dress kind of childish, but they dress in a way where if, if they're in a certain spots, you would think that they were 25 year olds. But then yeah. again, I think it's because fashion right now is kind of blurred. You don't really, you can't, you can't look at anybody until their age anymore unless they're like over 45 these days, you know, so that, that's a part of it. But for the most part, kids are definitely kids. And I think that with this generation coming, we're probably going to have to like really look after them until they're very close to 30. Cause, uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, so I could blame social media for everything that I want, but I think social media just has people just acting way more immature than they should. I agree. They just, they're, they're just, it's like, it's no benefit, it's no benefit or there are no real incentives to like being an actual grown up when you know you have a golden parachute or when you know people, you know, big sister or big brother looking after you. I could do dumb shit. Yeah, no, I and I think with me, I, I I guess I look at it a little different too because I didn't have no older siblings. I was the oldest, right? Mm-hmm. Even though me and my other sister, we were just one year apart, but you know, I was still the oldest. So with her, with me having younger siblings, sometimes I wish like I would have had an over, older sibling telling me stuff. But she don't look at it like that. She'd be like, "Girl, like who you think you are?" <laughs> <laughs> I was right there with you going through these trenches. <laughs> right, like she think she came to Houston last year. She so she's twenty one now. So she would have been she was twenty then, like last summer or something, like or last spring. And she was like, "Oh, can I go visit my friends? What friends do you have in Houston, Destiny?" Like I'm like. <laughs> She was like, oh, I could take a, like an Uber or something. Like, I was like, what friends do you have? Like, I'm trying to understand like, what friends do you have in Houston? And then I try to think about when I was 20, like I was taking trips by myself. 
right? So there was nobody there to question me. I would hop on a flight and go see friends, whether it's a boy or girl. I would take trips by myself. So my mind, I was, I was thinking like, do I really need to be questioning her like this? Because when I was 20, I was taking my own trips. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, like in my parents' eyes, she's coming to see me. So I feel like I have to be watching out for her to a certain extent because she goes to go see this magical friend I don't know and then something happens, it's going to fall back on me. <laughs> you definitely get in the parent mode because, I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable question. It's like, well, I don't get to see all the moves you make. So asking who her friend is, that's a reasonable question. I mean, you like, and then you know, you know, right now, like people meet people online and they start calling their friend. I'm like, bro, that's not your friend. That's your, you know, that's your, your digital your pen, pen pal. pal. Yeah, yeah. And don't get it twisted. You, you might have to go over there strapped up because I mean, obviously we've all seen, we probably have all seen Tinder Swindler at this point. You, you, we don't be knowing who we dealing with. Like yeah. these, these profile pictures, man. It might, it, that probably not even that person. And I had told her, like, you go, you need to share your location with me. And she didn't want to do that, so we didn't, we didn't go anywhere. We watched the movies on. <laughs> hey, hey. I, I, I mean, I'm one of those conspiracy theorists, and I'm, you know, like I, I don't like the whole idea of sharing locations because. I look at it like, okay, this is slippery slope, government, government, this. But I'm like, all right, forget all that. When it, when it, if it comes to like my friend's personal safety and knowing that I could do something about it, and as much true crime stuff that I watch and listen to, I'm like, a lot of that stuff could have been prevented if somebody just had, you know, so and so's location. It was like, man, why he, why he, why, 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 uh, Jay, uh, phone in the middle of the ocean like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I need to. I know he can't swim. <laughs> I know he can't swim. I got to check on this. You know, it'll be. Go ahead, Jay. But like, like you say, like, I appreciate when we do go on our guys trips and we're in a foreign city, a foreign country, or, you know, somewhere where we're not, you know, regulars and we know the lay of the land. Hey, let me turn my location on just in case I get separated. Just in case, like, you know. Because I'd rather be, you know, because we we gonna take a head count. I'm like these are these are my boys. I care about them. So you know, I say, man, I ain't seen well in in two hours, and he's still in the same spot where he was at. You know, he either doing something or he doing something. Like I need to get this boy up and make sure that he's good. Though, like, right. hey, we finna go back to the to the hotel. You good? And if I don't get a response, I'm going to that location. Right. It's only reasonable, man. I mean, as as grown as we are, we're still responsible for each other and i feel like it's it's i'm fine with being responsible for people that i personally know and people can say okay that person was in my space because once again if some true crime shit go down the cops gonna come talking to me you know they're gonna be like hey well you you were last seen with jay at this time like what can you tell us and i'm like i'm happy knowing that i'll be like well at this time, last time we checked his location, he was here. He was looking like this. He was doing this, blah, blah, blah. Because you said something to me the uh, other day, Jay. But um, long story short, to summarize what you said, I feel like personally, not only as a man, but as a human in this current country that we stay in, that is, I don't know what the hell going on in America right now. But in this current this current state that we're in, it's very important for us to be prepared for worst case scenarios. Like, Everything is not going to be peaches and cream. Like, you have to be ready for some wild shit to go down. Because that's just reality now. At first, I used to say, like, only men really had to, you know, be prepared for shit. But shit, that's everybody. Like, for sure now. Like, if, you just, if you're going out the house, especially in a, in a city like Houston, Atlanta, whatever, Vegas, Los Angeles, 
I think, and I say this all the time, it's very important, man or woman, make sure you got some form of protection on you. Make sure, make sure your your, your closest friends know where you're going. And um, even if you're not to share your location type of person, uh, indefinitely, I mean, when you get to a spot, let them know what spot you was at. Uh-huh. Or little, you know, just, just basic stuff like that. Because once again, it's some crazy shit going on in this world today, man. Like, it's been crazy, but I, I do definitely feel like stuff is on 10 now. I mean, I agree. And, it's, and it's unfortunate, but I mean, we are we are where we are. Like, especially when you think about a place like Harris County. How many how many felons they said was uh, out on the loose in Harris County, Jay? Like, like 25,000? 25,000? Yeah, 25,000. 25,000? Yeah, 25,000 felons wanted, right? That are just on yeah. the wrong. Just, just wanted, like no. Well, I'm not gonna say wanted. There's twenty five thousand felons out, whether they're out on bond or they're wanted or they're dodging court. They're they're not locked up, basically. And and with all the with all this uh bond reform stuff going on, especially in cities like Houston, like that's something that's going on on a daily basis. Like you you could you could be in a spot, you know, just minding your business, and it's a guy like that's. You know, he's out on murder. He's out on a murder charge. And he's just he's just chilling like shit because the way the laws are set up now, you know, they one ever since, you know, COVID, they definitely try to make it to where, you know, these these county jails and these 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 prisons aren't as full as they they have to be, especially when you're talking about crimes that they feel like, well, this person needs some time to, you know, him being in here or her being in here is not going to rehabilitate him right away. Let's put him, you know, let's make sure that we still monitor him. Because, I mean, we're we're at the point in society now where they feel like there are a lot of people that feel like jail is just not a good form of rehabilitation. So, therefore, they try, they kind of feel like, well, you never know what a person can do if they're just simply monitored by the state. So, people are really feeling like, being monitored by the state and being in jail are pretty much the same thing. So why do you need to put them behind walls? Why do we have to confine them? That's a that's an argument that's going around. I think this shit is wild. I do agree that jail is not necessarily a good form of rehabilitation, but I don't know if somebody's in jail for murder. If somebody's like on a murder charge, I don't know, man. It's that's I think it depends of- on the age they murder. Because I think like in Canada. Like if you murder, I, I don't remember the age, but I think if you're like a teen, maybe young, you get a get out at like 17, 18, and then we kind of, and you get a whole name change and everything. Like the government gives you a whole name change. Like you like kind of like a whole new identity if you murder like when you're young. That sounds like Canada. That sounds like yeah. Canada, like for real. Like, and I, and I think, I think, honestly, I think a lot of, America is going to start moving towards stuff like that because there's such a huge push on people's mental health, like positive mental health and people's mental well-being. So they're, they they really feel like, uh, you know, not to not to knock it, but they really do feel like the kumbaya method is the way to go. Like, hey, just give these people a hug, put them on some medication, throw them back into society. They're going to be OK with enough love and enough supervision. That's why it's not necessarily the case. And <laughs> and more often than not, I don't look at jail as a place for rehabilitation. I look at it as a place for punishment. Mm-hmm. A lot of and this is coming like I worked when I was in college. I worked part time at the prison. I was there, you know, every weekend, basically. And a lot of people are, are in there. They're not in any kind of programs. They're just in there doing their time. 
So if you're just in there doing your time, are you really, you know, getting better? Are you are you understanding the consequences of your actions aside from, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in jail? And then there was a lot of them that only know how to function in jail. Like a lot of them I talked to say, man, yeah, I got out and I came right back in because they that's that's all they know. That's the structure that they need in life. And it just happens to come in that setting. And so, yeah, there are some that'll go in there, they'll they'll do like substance abuse programs and they'll, you know, get educated and this, that and the other. And some of them actually do find some kind of religion while they're in there. But a lot of them, they're just in there doing their time. They're on some kind of vacation. What Cameron say? Life stressed anyway. I need it for vacation time. Like that's a bar. I equ- I equate do. I mean, I hate to say it, but when you say doing time, I kind of equate doing time as just going through the motions. And you know when people are, you know, when people are going through the motions, they not really putting a lot of thought into it. It's just like I'm just going through the motions. I'm just doing what I got to do to get, you know, to possibly get out. So re- rehabilitation is definitely something that's active. Right. We, we talk about therapy all the time. If you're going to do any type of for- form of therapy, the whatever they prescribe to you. Uh, whatever, even even the copes that they prescribe to you, you have to be actively doing those things, and you have to be actively convincing yourself that I'm not gonna let whatever um, whatever battle I'm dealing with, you know, hold me back. I'm gonna actively fight this battle so I can overcome it. But once again, if you're in the middle of the war zone, just going through the motions, you know, you're probably gonna get yourself killed, or you're gonna get hurt some way, or it's just gonna be it's gonna be pointless. Your your whole position on that battlefield is gonna be pointless and you're probably you're probably gonna end up in a bat in a worse off spot than you were when you probably first got there. Yeah. But um yeah, I didn't even know we were gonna be talking about um uh, this type of shit, but hey, this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you come on the show. Hey, when are you gonna do another um another note to self? Are you too busy now? I don't know. Somebody asked me that recently. I, I don't even remember who asked me that. Somebody did recently because I went my friend is a um, artist. She's a rapper. So the same guy that did my um, production, that, yeah, did the production. He started doing some of her songs. So he had a um, like a networking thing where different people that he's done music for, you know, performed and stuff like that. Um, like real rap, real music, not like my type of Nosa Sub. I ain't gonna go up there and do that. <laughs> but like, you know, like Houston rappers type stuff. And like he, I, I saw him again because I haven't seen him since Notes himself. And he was like, "Yeah, you know, we could work and do the next one." So I don't know. Some somebody else asked me that too. So I don't know. I don't how know. how, how was that whole that whole thing? Like, how did that like? What what was the what really motivated you to do that? I was in the car one day and. It, it was just a real bad day. It was a real, real bad day. It was a real bad morning. I was on my way to work. And I just kept on looking for something to listen to. And I was already frustrated. I just kept on looking for something to listen to. And I just couldn't find nothing to listen to. And then I ended up um, um, putting in some, um, what's his name? Um, E.T., the hip-hop preacher. You know what I'm talking about? No, Eric, I've never heard of him. Eric, Eric Thomas. Thompson. Thomas or Thompson? You never heard of him? I haven't. Mm, maybe y'all see his face. If y'all see I, his definitely, face. definitely. I'm pretty sure, yeah, if I see his face, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's really popular. But he's a motivational speaker. So he just does just straight motivational speaking. Um, and then I just started listening to him. And I used to write poetry when I was younger, like real, real younger. But it was nothing that was ever, like, official. And I used to just be in my bed, you know, writing poems, like, I don't know, over boys or something. I don't know. But... Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
crying with something, right? And I was just listening to his motivation one day, and it just really just got me inspired. And I just thought, like, we need more like this. Like, it was just some really morning motivation. I was like, we just need more like this. But he didn't have beats behind his. I think he might do some stuff like that now, but then he didn't. And I was like, we need more like this. Like, I wonder if this way I could put, like, my poems together, but make it more motivational type stuff, which I was already doing anyway with some of my speaking stuff. And then just put some beats behind it. And the producer guy just made it happen. <laughs> because you needed it, you felt you needed to make some for people that were looking for it as well? Yes, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. And which it did really good. Um, people still tag me in it up to today. Like if they go to the gym, or I have friends that screenshot me, like, girl, I got in my car and look what came on and all that stuff like that. Because if it's on your playlist, you know. It's gonna come on because it's still on all the the music platforms and stuff. So I've had a couple people ask me, but it's a it it got it costs money, so it was free. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and then I have to have time to like literally write down all that tracks. So I think Note to Self had five tracks on there. Yep, five. Um, yeah, five. And then it's like even with the money part, like he cost money to me because he made all my beats original, and then the studio time on top of it, you have to make time to go into the studio and record, you know, with him. And like sometimes I don't, it's not all perfect on the first one. So some some tracks I may have to record more than once or multiple times. So that's studio time on top of him really making the beats and stuff like that too. So that's why you got to get with Hov. Hov tell you, he doing it in one take. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sure if I was, I'm sure if I do a second one because I've had the first experience, I know more of what to expect now. And things, you know, what to do. But that was my first time ever getting in, like, a real studio. Um, so it was all brand new to me. So, but I'm sure if I did it again, I would know a little bit more what to expect as far as studio-wise. Are you going to be closer to him now? To the person that did it? Or that was in Houston? It was in Houston. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know yeah. I, yeah, yeah. What's okay, his name? Was... Actually um, introduced me to him. Um, well, I'm acting like I can't remember his name. Jamarcus. Yeah, because Ooh, Jamarcus Houston. Okay. Yeah, Jamarcus used to cut his hair. I don't know if Jamarcus still cuts his hair, but I know Jamarcus used to cut his hair. His name is Big Cuz. So he makes he's he makes beats and stuff like that. Like he actually works with Ken, like that's Ken the man's producer right now, too. So uh, so yeah, he makes beats and does a whole bunch of stuff. So he used to cut his hair. So I remember one time when I used to get my hair cut, Jamarcus was telling me, Oh, I know this guy that makes beats, but will produce his music. Oh, that's what that. So he's the one that had connected us. So yeah, he's in Houston. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah, I hope you do it again. I mean, like you said, um, it's always good to, for people to have uh, different avenues to find stuff like that to listen to. Because, I mean, you could have put on No Boundaries podcast that day. But if you'd have did that, it probably would have just made you mad because we would have got to motivate you. Just who would have motivate you to just be like, man, what's these That's why I cringed a little bit. Like, it might have been a turn a bad day worse, depending on what <laughs> you We definitely would have made you like, I oh, no. I even knew you. Did I know y'all then? I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. I feel like time, I think you were just getting to know us. I feel like time is just. I don't. I can't separate time right now. Man, that's that's funny, man. My son had asked me that the other day, and he was like, "Man, has has does time fly by for you too?" And I'm like, "Hey, for like, especially like with that COVID nonsense that happened, man. I'm uh, that's." We couldn't even think. We couldn't even remember when Bad Boy, the last Bad Boys, came out. And I was like, "No, Bad Boys came out January 2020." And it was like that's how much a blur had came with us like in the last three years the last two and a half two years has been a a blur because all really felt the same but when you try to you know think of monumental moments 
you might remember that. And that's why yeah. I asked Jay earlier, like, what year? Because I'm just, I'm trying to get used to, like, okay, I don't want to say pre-COVID, but low-key, that's what it is, like, BC, like, before COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, like, it's, time is definitely flying. And I I just know that when I when I look at the city now, wherever I go, like, it's like, man, I remember when things were like this. And when I think about it, I was like, man, that was only like three years ago. And that's how that's how quick shit changes. Yeah. Like, just it's constantly like, but yeah, I think when that came out, I think when that came out, you were just getting to know us. Cause I know that when you came on the show, I think we just briefly mentioned it. We didn't get too much into it. And I was like, mm. man, I wonder why we never really asked her about it. But yeah, I mean, I I I enjoyed it. And um, I'll definitely, you know, people that's listened to the show now, they need to check it out. It's an easy listen, 20 minutes. Like yeah, you said, it's a five very tracks. easy listen. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I would imagine, um, it's a, is it royalty-based when you put stuff on Apple Music? Yeah, there's um, royalty. Um, it, was, it was everything. So you go to, like, DistroKid. Uh, well, they have many platforms, but we use DistroKid. And you select everything you want it to be on. Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal. Um, what is the other ones? I think... Um, there was something else. I can't remember. Amazon Music, probably. Amazon Music. Yeah, there was like a couple. YouTube. You just select which ones you want it to be on, and then it gets a little iffy too because you have to like, if you have any type of agreement or contract with a producer as far as his percentage, where royalties and all that stuff like that. Like, luckily, I was the writer for my own stuff, but then you got some people they have writers too. Somebody else wrote it. Um, but they're just the person that's, you know, rapping it or singing it too. So then you have to cut percentages there. So that platform allows you to do all of that, like write down the producers, the writers, how much percent they get for each one, this, that, and all that stuff. So Yeah, that's that, that's that that's that business part that a <laughs> lot of people get into it and they're like, Oh, I'm gonna just make these millions and they like, damn man, I well, I, I had I had a, I had, a I had an album go down and I'm only bringing home a hundred thousand. It's like, man. One, you didn't write the album. You didn't write most of the album. Yeah. And then with the way and they got to get these, paid first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with mine, like you know, and this is not to like you know throw anybody under the bus or something. I because it was so new to me. So when me and him talked about it, the producer and he wrote out the contract. You know, I read it and I, I you know I got other people's opinion and thoughts that I was that I know that have done music before. And, you know, and they had me go back to him and get some things changed. I was like, no, this is this is not right. Like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Because, you know, sometimes when it's your first time in the industry or first time doing something, they're going to be like, oh, she'll know. Let me let me go ahead and put whatever. Right. And mm-hmm. my my husband's um, brothers have always done music. So they have things on platforms. And plus, I have just other friends that have put things on platforms, too. So they came back and was just like, no, like, it, you know, he needs to fix this, fix that. You know, so we've had we had a couple like back and forth like tussle, and before we actually came to an agreement. <laughs> I tell, I mean, once again, had this conversation, you know, the other day, you know, <laughs> just just talking about you know inflation, you know how inflation is pretty much that's something that no nobody nobody in America nobody globally can sit here and act like they don't see that there have been price increases across the board in many situations. And when it comes to business, people have to be able to, you know, especially people running a business, they have to be able to be comfortable enough to have those conversations like, Hey, this is, this is, these are the percentages that are affecting me. 
So these are the percentages that are about to affect you. And I mm-hmm. imagine in the music industry, sitting here dealing with royalties and percentages, you have to be comfortable enough to say like, hey, you know, we cool and all, but uh, <laughs> I, I wrote this, you know, and you did this, I did this, I had to pay for this. You know, you got to be comfortable enough to have that conversation. And the root of our conversation, you know, not to make it about race, but it, it did turn into like a black thing. It was like, I think for the most part with our people, it's really tough to have those conversations because we all kind of look at it from a perspective of, um, you know, hey, you know, but we boys and, you know, we got to look out for each other. Yeah, but, you know, like <laughs> this is what happened, you know, and we I think there was this quote that used to go around a lot of. You know, know your worth and add taxes to it. I think that's what people used to say. I mean, that's, yep. it's, to me, that's the same mindset. It's like, hey, we if we if I put if I if I have a service, I know and I feel this is how much I should be getting paid for it, and you don't want to pay me for it. I guess I got to find somebody else that will. Right. That means you're not my 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 customer. You're not my not my clientele. It's it's, it's, yeah. it's that simple. It, and um and we me and, and Jay you always, always got to keep in mind. It's kind of like. Oh man, I'm not gonna pay for this. I'm not gonna pay for this. Okay, cool. That's you. Somebody else is. If my price point is where it should be, and my and my um my product is what it needs to be, it's fine if you're not gonna pay for it. But somebody else will. Yeah, I had this conversation with a friend the other day. I don't know if you guys um saw it. So Tefler, they raised their prices, right? So I don't know. Have you guys heard of him? Uh, it's a bag purchase, Telfer. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard. So he raised his prices, right? So most of his bags been, like, between 150 to, like, maybe two, 300 right? So he came out with a bag, I think it was, like, six-something. But the whole black community went crazy. But I'm like, but you guys will go buy a, a Gucci bag for it. That same price, this is, like, a black, you know, designer, like, literally came from, yes. Yeah, it looks like that's what you should, yeah, it looks like it, yeah. Literally came from literally zero to a hundred, literally. And he still has affordable bags in the market. So it's not like all his purchases, I mean, all his prices went up, but like, like Twitter went crazy and Instagram, they were going in on the comments. I'm like, but y'all will still go buy a Gucci bag for 800, 900. So I don't understand. Like, why? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, but Louis Vuitton prices went up he, um... Yes, but their prices only went up because black people could afford it. That's why. And recently, didn't he um, do something where, like, when when his bags come out, like, you, you're guaranteed to get a bag now? Like, you can order it, and it might be, you know, six weeks or eight weeks later, but you're guaranteed to get a bag? Oh, you talking about who? Did, didn't he do that recently? I want to say he did that recently. So, he did that in Brandon Block, where they have, like, a security drop. For, like, one week, you could buy all the bags you want, and then, like, but there's no estimated time frame of when you're right. going to get it because, you know, the bags sell out so fast. But, yeah. And I, th- I thought that was pretty dope in this culture when, you know— you know, having that limited supply is is what people really get to. Oh yeah, I was able to get this. Nobody else could get this bag, get these shoes or anything. But to be like, all right, look, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, you can get whatever you want to. I can't guarantee you when you're gonna get it, but mm-hmm. you're gonna get it eventually. I yeah. think pretty dope. I think so too. I think he does. I think a good six months. Like you're gonna get it within six months because yeah. they're at that point they're making it based off your purchase. So they're really using your money to made make to, your You're bag. made to order at this time. <laughs> yeah. You're made to order at this time. Yeah, exactly. which is okay to me. I think okay. that's fine. See, I don't know if y'all watch Joe Rogan, but uh, I'm getting my Jamie on right now. So I had to fact check something. I'm about to get very, very annoyed. So I'm looking at Telford 
um, which this brand was established in 2005. I see a lot of black faces on here. So I'm, you know, this, uh, you're saying this is a black business, right? He's black. He's actually from his family is actually Liberian. So he's from like, he was, he was born in New York, but he's from Liberian descent. Okay. So I'm looking at these bags. I don't wear, I know it's a lot of dudes out there that wear bags and purses. I don't wear purses myself. So obviously I don't know anything about this stuff, mm. but I'm looking at the bags and all of them are sold out. And I, in my honest opinion, the reason why they're sold out, they might be underpriced. They're only $200, $150. So if y'all are as popular as y'all say he is, it kind of makes sense to why he sold out. And I mean, his business, his site is saying free shipping over 125, five to 14 business days. Okay. That, once again, I, I, I mean, as popular as y'all say he is, you said Twitter went crazy. The most expensive bag I see on here is... 257 so far. All right. It was a signature drop. It was like six something, but that sold out. Okay, that's fine. But let me go over here to LV, Louis Vuitton. All right. Um <laughs> I'm looking at $31,000. I mean a three a three thousand one hundred dollar bag. I think the cheapest mm-hmm. bag I see on here is two thousand eight hundred forty dollars. Like I'm I'm really confused because like if if he went if he had a price increase. And it was an uproar about it. And like I said, I know for a fact that Louis Vuitton had a, you know, a major announcement on their price increase. I heard nothing. So that's just that just pretty much proves my point. It's like I know everybody ain't buying Louis Vuitton like that, although I do see a lot of Louis Vuitton bags in the streets. I'm guessing they're fake. Is that the is that what are they fake? Or could you tell a fake bag from a, a real bag? Who, me? Yeah. No, I can't, but there's this girl I follow on Instagram. She buys fake Gucci Louis Vuittons on intentionally and posts it on her story and kind of does like and shows you like how you wouldn't even know that it's fake. So oh, okay, yeah, okay. she buys it from way much cheaper on like Amazon or all these little sites and like see, I bought this for cheaper and look. But my thing is if you have to buy a fake one, then do you really even need it? Is it worth it? Like this is a basic bag to me what i'm looking at and i mean i know y'all can't see it that well but i'm like this might i might not be making a point but i'm just saying like i know for a fact that some people will go out and buy a real lv bag and i promise i've never looked at the prices of these bags and i'm like this looks like a bag where you could probably barely put one tennis shoe in it (laughs) and it's two thousand bucks and i go to his stuff and I mean, his stuff, I, I think I've seen that that T logo before. Once again, I don't wear purses, so this ain't my, my thing, but I would think that $200, $300 was a reasonable price for a bag. So what? how much was his price increase? So the one he came out with, the signature bag, and it was like six something. Um, if you go, it might still be somewhere on the website, but it sold out anyway. But it was like six something. And people like Spiltural, Shade Room, all of them posted it. And people just went crazy. And my thing is, um, like I see it, I see it. It's more it's like, like a, a circle bag. Yeah, that yeah, circle bag. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, and people are like still I'm not, not a Louis Vuitton price. It's not, which is the craziest thing about it, because I only I only have one of his purses, one of one of the Telford purses. But yeah, it's gonna sell out fast because he only does a certain amount. Like he does, like let's say he was on Monday for, at this time, it's dropping. He only drops a certain amount of each size. So it's not like, oh, I can come back tomorrow and buy it. That's not how it works. It's like a set date and set time for each drop. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, people just went crazy. And I was like, Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all these people, they, con- they continue raising their prices because the everyday affordable black people are able to buy it, and it doesn't come off luxury anymore. 
Like when exactly. I walk, it's if no I walk off, status symbol. it's not a lot of sound. Like it depreciates its value the more and more black people that have it. Like if I walk out my apartment right now and I see five other black people with Louis Vuitton Gucci bags, like at that point, it's an everyday item into them that that's not considered luxury anymore because everyday black people could afford it. I didn't think we were allowed to say things like that. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what y'all are saying. I thought, this, I, I thought this was no boundaries. I oh, yeah, know. yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Hey, hey, hey. Wow. But, but you have a point. Like, it's a it's a status symbol. It's like, okay, I was able to get the un- unattainable. Like, I was able to get this bag. They made 500 of them. I got one of the 500. Or Louis Vuitton is so expensive that me having this is a symbol, is a symbol of my upper middle class or upper class status like when you get into luxury vehicles and you know you're you're saying oh well you know the base model of this one is eighty thousand, and you know i got the you know it, it's you saying that you have money or had money because you spent it without you having to literally say it yeah. so like I, I i get it because yeah, like why do you think like and i, I feel like the kim k is just the easiest name to throw out but there's kim there's so many other ones but they don't even wear you don't even see them wearing like gucci louis vuitton no more it's beneath them now. Yeah, it's beneath them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've realized like you know, um, oh shit, man, I'm I'm a I'm a pretty simple dresser, man. I'm not really into any of that. Uh, to me, what I would call like Italian, the European brands, and uh, I've always kind of side eyed people that were too heavily invested in them. But I'm like, hey, man, it's your money, do what you do. Uh, but I'm I'm I I'm always the guy that's being looked at as like devil's advocate and the you know person that's saying something controversial. But everything y'all said, I agree with. Now I I usually keep off of this show from my perspective, so people can hear other people say it, so I don't feel crazy. But yeah, I mean it's it's the truth. Like you you I almost felt I said what I said about this Telfer thing because I almost feel like in a sense. He's probably doing himself an injustice by having his bag so cheap because it almost feels like the less attainable that it is, the more, like y'all said, the more is value. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that, when I'm when I'm I'm really just still baffled at the fact that LV bags cost as much as they do, and I see them as much as I see them. That's still baffling to me because I'm like, you have to realize, you like you said, you're finally making six figures now. It's a lot of people that are not going to be able to say, I mean, especially with the black community, most of the black community, if not, if they're not on the lower social, lower scale of the socioeconomic uh, uh, pole, they're probably middle class. A lot of black Americans 30 and over are probably considered middle class. With that being said, you can simply say most Americans that are at a certain age, you can probably say that they're middle class. So, when you have something that most of the middle class has, like y'all said, it's not as valuable. It's almost like just wearing Nike. Like Nike's Nike. It's nothing special about Nike, but for a long period of time, if you saw someone wearing Gucci, somebody wearing Gucci, you knew that that was a status symbol. Um, ah, damn, this this LV thing is still baffling to me <laughs> because I just feel like that's not that's not in, that's that's not in your average person's budget. I mean, would you would you make the amount of money you make now? Would you actually go on LV site, put that shit in your shopping cart, and and purchase more than once a year? No, no. And the crazy thing about it, see, I wouldn't even purchase it for myself. My husband will have to purchase it for me because <laughs> I I can even get my mind to even do that myself. That's tough. That's a I tough buy. It would be something that he would have to get like on like maybe a gift or something like that. 
But yeah, so I don't even have an LV bag. But I, there's been times like I'm so frugal. I'll go to a website, I'll add stuff to my cart and just shut the whole website down. But I don't know. <laughs> like that, that was the hit that I needed. I just needed that bump of oh, I put it in the cart and stuff like that. Like the past few, the past few weeks, I've been like looking at at Range Rovers. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, Range Rovers, and I'm doing the numbers and stuff like that. And I was like, I can afford it, but I can't justify it to myself. Like, like you sit there, you look at like this is just ridiculous. Who, who, oh, who, at my, at my economic level, who would do this? Right. And it's like, I can, but it's just dumb to do it. It is, so I know, yeah. It's like crazy because I, I, it's so funny. This is sitting right beside me, right? So I have like this YSL wallet right here. And I remember like when I bought it, right? Like, I mean, I didn't even buy it. My husband bought it. When he bought it, like, right, you know, he bought it for a gift and all that stuff like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask where he, where is he at? Because last he's time he was in the room. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's in the room. I don't I don't even use it that much. Like I have like a more like um because it's a big wallet, so I carry more smaller purses. So I have you know a one that fits more my sp- smaller purse. But it was it was said like seven hundred. So like when I think about it, I just be like, I mean, I feel like I now I try, I try to force myself to use it so I could justify just seven hundred that was spent. So like when I was like my, my, my bad, I don't mean to cut you off. What type of what is that? What are you holding? This is YSL. Like no, what type? What I don't know purses. Like I said, it's just a purse. It's a wallet. Oh, it's a it's wallet. A, it's just a wallet. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. My bad. I, I didn't know. I, I, I that that size. I just saw that on the LV site, and that shit was like two thousand dollars. So <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just that's trying to wrap my. I was I was looking around to see if my wallet was close because I I bought I bought a Gucci wallet probably four years ago. And it was at the time it was three hundred dollars. I was like, "Do I really have any business buying a three hundred dollar wallet?" <laughs> no. Look, y'all don't know how clumsy and forgetful I am. Like, I've always wanted to own a pair of Ray Bans, but I'm so clumsy, I lose <laughs> stuff all the time. I've never bought Ray Bans. What are Ray Bans, Jay? Like two, three hundred bucks? About, I just about two, two fifty. I'm gonna lose them. I know I'm gonna lose them. It is, and I just that's the type of that's the reason I don't make like those wild purchases. Like mm, this is yeah. this is my wallet. It is, I mean, my phone <laughs> is my wallet. Like I, because I have to be able to say, okay, I know I'm not gonna lose this, because yeah. that's how I am. So that's probably my. Cause I tell Jay all the time, like if I didn't have to basically be paying for the lifestyle of a grown ass man that lives with me, I'd probably be super materialistic and yeah. be buying dumb shit too. But I always gotta like check myself, be like, man. I just can't be on no nigga shit all the time. Yeah. Like, cause I feel like that's really there is. It's some, it's some nigga shit. Like, just it's some nigga shit to know I'm about to make an eight hundred dollar purchase, and once I make this purchase, I'm gonna have to live on ramen noodles for the next two weeks. That's some nigga shit to me. But I think at that same time, sometimes in my head it kicks in like, look, you only live once. Like, we're already in our thirties, right? You don't want to wait till you're like 50, 60 to start enjoying the glamorous things of life, right? If you want to get it, it happens. Like. Oh, well, like money comes and goes like now if this money that you have is, I mean, that you spend it is going to stop you from paying your rent. That's different. Right. <laughs> still got to be responsible. Right. You still got to be responsible. If you, if you got rent to pay or other, you know, other responsibilities. But I think every once in a while, like there's this whole like on TikTok, I follow this whole thread, like black girl luxury. Right. And I'm all for it. Right. If you can afford it, like. 
I love seeing that whole black girl luxury lifestyle. They have their Mercedes, their Teslas, all that stuff like that, right? Because I don't know what their pockets look like. I mean, of course, some of them might be flexing, right? But I don't know. But, you know, if you could afford it and you part of the black girl luxury, you know, family, I, I, I love to see it sometimes. I just love, like, and a lot of it is them, you know, catering to themselves. It's not like, oh... A man did this for me, a man did this for me, is them having their own six-figure jobs. And, you know, some of them probably mm-hmm. exaggerating anyway because how many people have, black people have six-figure jobs, right? But exactly. <laughs> I mean, but I see one right now. I don't have TikTok, but like I said, I love the fact that I can still go on TikTok without having TikTok. But I see one that's the life of a 21-year-old, a bougie 21-year-old, and it seems like she's pouring champagne. Then there's this other one that's like, she has like stacks of money on top of a Dior box. And I mean, like you said, for the most part, I like seeing this stuff too, but at the same time, I wish, although it's none of my business, I just, I just hope that it's not on the means of like scamming. Like they're not on no Simon Lviv type shit. Yeah. As long as they're not, but you would never, they're they're probably, yeah, yeah. And like you said, if they're getting it on their own, that's, that's amazing. You know, so that's, that's cool. Like I like seeing that too. I just know that unfortunately there are people that have seen this and it'd be like, I have to have that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, they're scamming somebody. They're using PPP loans for shit that they shouldn't be using it for, so on and so forth. But that's the that's the risk you take. And I and I feel like that's why it was very important at the beginning of the inception of uh, social media to where it was like, all right, you got to be 18 years old to be on here. Mm-hmm. Because there are going to be certain things that you're going to see that may leave a, a, a certain impression on you. And if you're not mentally prepared for this, you could do damage to yourself. And I think a lot of people, since um, social media has been around and since people have basically curated their lifestyles, people see that shit. And, and I'm always say this. I think a lot of people's depression, a lot of people's um, they look at their, their they look at their lives and they're not as satisfied anymore because they yeah, see stuff like that. Yeah, it's it it and it's like dog, like it's either you gonna put in the work and be patient enough to obtain this type of stuff, or you gotta stop looking at it. Cause you don't have to look at it. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. You, you, <laughs> like you can I mean it, it you don't mean, have to lust over. That's what's happening. <laughs> straight up. Like we all I think we all at some point of our lives window shop. We all imagine ourselves on a on a fucking yacht or whatever. Like we all imagine ourselves living the good life. But that's sometimes that's as far as it goes for a lot of us. It's just imagining. It's just a dream. And hopefully once a year, you can do that. Once a year, you could probably go to, the, you know, take a trip to Barbados or Cancun or wherever and, and be able to post those pictures like your favorite celebrity, you know. But mm-hmm. don't you can't be you don't don't be upset because you can't do it seven times a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, that's just that's the way the cookie crumbles. And I think that once again, with this whole kumbaya thing. This whole just give people a hug is like, no, nah, you know, you got to let people know that, you know, life isn't once again, life ain't all peaches and cream. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. Like, right. and also it's, it's the stuff that you want. You probably got to work for. Yeah, I, I could talk shit about Simon all day, but I, I, like I said on the last episode when we were talking about Tinder Swindler, I mean, shit, that that takes that takes some crafty finessing. Like <laughs> you got to put in the work. You got to be smart enough to do that. He put his energy into the wrong thing. But I mean, shit, mm-hmm. once again, it takes work. So if you want it, you got to work. 
And I think that's one thing that millennials and Gen Zers hate. They hate to work. They're like, man, why I got to work? And I, I honestly, I mean, I bet you for the most part, that's why a lot of these six-figure jobs are starting to pop up more and more. Because it's, I mean, with a lot, with a lot of these older people retiring and then people not wanting to work, like, <laughs> like it, it's you not just like, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, that too, you got to pay up. And then, I mean, motherfuckers don't want to work. So, the the the, uh, the 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 high the high paying jobs they're there you just gotta qualify for them you just gotta qualify that's, that's it. what it is you gotta qualify they don't want to work they not qualified they didn't take take the steps to get those certifications or you know to get the advanced education or get the experience needed to qualify for these positions so it's like you know you you you've been so dead set on on not working that you haven't put yourself in a position to be successful. And so mm-hmm. then you're sitting there, you haven't done the things you need to be to successful, and you are on these social media apps, and you're like, damn, this girl, she stay on vacation. She always in Barbados and, and on an island somewhere. I wish I could live like her. And whether she's doing it because she has some kind of celebrity clout or she's positioned herself to where, excuse me, she's positioned herself to where that she can live that life, it takes some work and it takes some effort that you're not investing into yourself. Yeah, you're not ready to put in. Like, even on TikTok, too, there's this whole stuff about, like, black girls in tech, and black in tech is a really big thing on TikTok. And you get these black girls telling their stories, like, oh, how I got into the tech space in six months and seven months and three months, whatever. And then you get these people like, oh, that's not possible. I've been trying for two years. I've been trying for three years, and I haven't gotten in. And I'm thinking in my head, like, well, you're obviously not putting in the same work because... It, I got into the tech space in six months too. Like I did not have no tech background. I came from a non-traditional background and I put in like work, work and like a lot of networking. That's a big thing too. A lot of networking that some people just don't like to do or don't know that's how work. to do. That's work. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. a still a form of work. Like I wasn't even big on LinkedIn until I learned about my new career and I made a whole LinkedIn and I just started messaging people like out of the blue, setting up coffee chats, meeting with people, what like literally putting in so much work. And I'm like, it is possible if you put in that extra work. Like things don't just happen. Like people recruiters are not just coming into your inbox. Hey, you want this six figure job? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, look, there is this push. They, they, okay, not to get political, but it, this is what it is, though. Like. You have a you have a liberal push, you have a conservative push, and the on the conservative side, well, I'd say moderates and conservative side, you have this, you know, they call it a bootstrap mentality. I'm sure y'all have heard this before. You know, hey, put in the work, put in the work. So the fact that moderate to conservative, it's since they adopt that ideology, that ideology is technically seen as racist. It's seen as oppressive. So when you're if you're looking at it from a, on the liberal side. Somebody that's more liberal or more along the lines of just give me, they're going to look at that and be like, no, you're just racist. You're you don't understand what it is to struggle like I struggle. And then you kind of look at them like they're crazy because it's like, well, I'm a black man. You're a black man. So I'm trying to figure, see what the disconnect is. And, what, and I'm bringing this bringing this up to say, like, you're probably going to meet a lot of those people that have that. What was me mindset? I'm, I'm, I can't do it. I tried two years. I can't do it. And then you start asking them reasonable questions like, well, are you networking? Well, are you passing the classes? Like <laughs> just asking them simple stuff like how many hours a day are you putting in? And they start evading those questions and they start name calling. Be like, nah, man, y'all, y'all on that bullshit. Y'all scamming. This, this ain't real. That's what you're dealing with. So 
my advice to that is do you <laughs> like hey boot you take your ass to Nashville you get your you you did what you did in six months you ain't gotta you ain't gotta prove nothing to these people man they they want to stay on TikTok lost let them stay on TikTok lost because I, I mean we we can't help people we yeah. that's my thing some people some people for the most part we can't help they can be helped but I can't help them Remy can't help them. JK helpful. Right. Somebody go help him, but they go kill us. Yeah, I saw this message on Facebook, no, Instagram the other day, and I was kind of conflicted by it. It was like, like, I can't wait till black people get in the space. I don't know if she said black people or black women. I can't remember. I need to find it where they just feel like they need to be still and not always try to help somebody. So I feel like my nature in general, like, I always feel like I need to help somebody, right? Like, oh, I'm in this tech space now. Let me pull some more black people in this tech space, right? But then at the same time, I feel like, do I need to do that? Like, I, it's like I ask my, like, I have this, I don't know, I go back and forth in my head about it. Like, do I need to do that? Or can I just be still and just do, like, focus on me? I don't know. It's just so weird. I don't know. I, I mean, that's Atlanta, though. You're from Atlanta. That's what Atlanta did. I mean, that's Dungeon Family. Like, that's why that's why Atlanta took over the rap game because they did that. Right. I mean, right. that's why that's why the West Coast was so big. And I mean, you know, that's what that's what that's what Kanye tried to do. Like, that's I mean, that you should never get to a point where you feel like, oh, I can't pull people up with me. It's right. like once again, like I, I don't listen to Joe Rogan like that, but the few times I've listened to Joe Rogan, he'd be talking to somebody that, you know, I think he was talking to Ashley Larry. And he was telling Ashley Larry, hey, man, you need to start a podcast. Every time somebody comes on his show, he's like, you need to start a podcast. You know why? Because your podcast ain't going to hurt mine. It's no, I don't think it's out. more on competition way. I think it's more of like a mental like toll type thing, like always feeling the need instead of taking care of yourself, having to take care of or help other people. So that's the way I looked at it, not more like competition. Okay, I hope so. Yeah, okay, that makes but, sense too. I mean, go ahead, Jay. But I also look at it this way. You're setting an example. Right. That you you can do this. Like, oh, black people only can 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 make it to this level. Y'all can only we can only be middle management and we can only make, you know, at best eighty thousand dollars a year. And it's like, no, I'm I'm at this level. I make right. six figures like you like. I feel like that's helped, too, because like, you know, I'm the I'm the same room you grew up with. Right. Like there's there's nothing I can still go back to the block and I'm good on the block and I'm also good in these corporate boardrooms too. Like I'm mm -hmm. showing you the path that that anybody not anybody but you know you can do this if you apply yourself. If you because apply you yourself, can look yeah. you can look at me and you don't see too many differences. So right. that means like well damn if Jay can do this then then I can do it too because you know ain't too much ain't too much different between me and Jay. Right. Yeah. I think with me though is. Like, okay, if I tell someone, let's say you told me, Jay, like, oh, I want to do what you do, right? And I give you all the tips. I give you the resources. I'm helping you out, whatever. Two, three months later, and I come back or a couple weeks later, oh, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet, right? Oh, I haven't done Like, that's, I feel like that's the situations I always run into. So it's now, like, I have, like, I feel like I drain myself sometimes giving so many people so many resources and tips, and, and then they do nothing with it, like, and I feel like, and I, you know, I could, you like, oh, Remy, I want to have a meeting with you. I want to talk about this or whatever. And then I'm like, then I feel like I don't even want to do this no more because I don't gave 20 people all these tips, resources, help, guides, all that stuff like that. And they did nothing with it. Like, <laughs> okay, now I get you now. So yeah, I, I definitely miss but that, what you said. But before. that too is a double edged sword. Yeah. Because I can go have dinner with Jay Z, 
And Jay-Z could say, oh, oh well, shit. you you 34 years old. You should have had two platinum albums by now. You know, that's right. the way I did it. And I was like, all right, cool. Let me take you back. You know, you need to start off selling bricks and stuff like that. And right. I could do all of that. But am I Jay-Z? Right. No, I'm not, I can I can follow your blueprint. But if I'm not you, I'm not going to become you. Right, I, can, right. I can get to some level that that's adjacent to you, maybe. But I'm, I'm never going to become you. Right. Of course. Yeah. I think I, I'll never be able to like when I'm like in like the comment sections of uh, Instagram and I just see somebody randomly put din- dinner with Jay Z. I just start laughing. Now. I'll be like, Jesus Christ, y'all are stupid. But um, you don't come no, no. check and get out my face. <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about when they have those polls? Like, would you rather have yeah, this like, get this money? <laughs> I'm like, I mean, you could do the most basic level of investing with a hundred thousand dollars. Like you don't have to ask Jay Z that. You could do the ba- the most basic type of investing with a hundred k and live and remain and continue to live your lifestyle and be good for a long time without having to have a dinner with Jay Z that wasted everybody's time. But it did make me think of you remember though that story about that guy that like broke into something like LMS security privacy whatever. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And then he offered him like money and he kept on saying no, but then he came back and asked for a job. And he offered, so he got the job instead. Is like, that how that story ended? Yeah, I, saw I didn't know that. He, like, I think he's young though, like 19, 20. Yeah, years like old. 19. He, he was he was breaking into his uh plane or his private yeah, jet. Yeah, he was tracking his. He was yeah, tracking his plane. Yeah, he, like, was, yeah. He, asked, he asked for a job instead. Like he asked for a certain, another amount, and I think LMS said no, and then he came back and asked for like a job. So I think like. I, I feel like that was still a good negotiation because he looked at like the bigger picture. Like oh, yeah. nine, at 19, he gonna take this money and probably do something real quick. He offered him five grand though. Yeah, that ain't nothing. No. Yeah, that, ain't, that, ain't that, that ain't gonna cut it. That ain't gonna cut it. Not for a billionaire. He, nah. The boy asked for something bigger and LMS said no. And then he asked, I think, what I read, maybe I read it wrong. I, I think he has to pay like his tuition or something like that if I'm not mistaken. Was yeah, this his tuition? I don't know. Now I need to Maybe. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I read somewhere that he asked for a job. Let me find out we all just lose a little here. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Not that we have to be factually <laughs> accurate. Y'all know he's still y'all know he's still tracking his jet, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> it landed in Austin 42 minutes ago. That kid's an asshole. Uh, he offered him 50k to remove flight. Oh, he offered him 50k. Okay, I thought he offered him five. Uh, teenager track, you know, much. Then came to direct message, and he asked him to go, took off from Austin, Texas. He blocked it. He did. That's what that's what I said three weeks ago. Said he blocked him. Oh Lord, dumb ass. Yeah, we'll, we'll look more into it. I don't want to be too much of a pause, but that's cool though, man. Uh, that's cool, man. Uh, I. I think that's how it should go. Um, there are there are plenty of people out there that can advise you financially that aren't Jay Z. That's pretty much my point. You get that hundred k, go a much cheaper route, figure out other things, and you ain't gotta have a dinner with Jay Z. Like a lot of a lot of a lot of what Jay Z did to get successful, he didn't that that wasn't even planned for him. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like just like Jay Z. I you know I I mean just like uh, Kanye. I haven't watched the documentary yet, but I know enough about Kanye to know that in the beginning, man, he was laughed at many times. Yeah. And I mean, he, he just stuck with it. I mean, he he is the he is the prime example of. I mean, bro, you you, you kind of just got to work and believe in yourself. Right. It, it's as it, cliche as it sounds, man. But I mean, 
uh, uh, we, damn, we, we've been going for a while here, and I did want to ask you, like, at least one or two more questions. Well, one, <laughs> uh, so January 2020, you wouldn't marry, you wouldn't marry yet. You got married in March, right? In March of January 2020, I wasn't married, but so we got married in the courthouse July 2020, but we had an actual ceremony of 20 in 2021 because we cut we had because COVID happened you know right in 2020 so we had it was supposed to be March 2020 and so we got married in the courthouse 2020 but we did the actual ceremony in 2021. Okay so y'all are creeping up on a year or y'all, y'all made it uh yeah well legally well, legally we're already a year yeah but <laughs> everything has our 2021 stuff on it so that's what we decided on celebrating so yeah how has that journey been? How what? How has that journey been with you and your husband so far? I, mean, I think it. I uh, I think people always suck, but all oh, the main thing is communication, 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 communication. Baby, you can communicate all day long. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> gotta understand something. Yeah. That, <gasps> gotta understand. Yeah, that don't that don't mean there's, there's so many people don't understand. There's so many different levels to communicating, and then people communicate on so many different levels on top of it, like. Me and my husband, we have two different communication styles. Like, of course, I'm way more of an extrovert than he is, right? So our communication styles are so totally different. Like, I come out already on 100, like, boom, 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 boom. He comes out more already, already, like, laid back and, like, girl, like, more dismissive, like, dismissing me. And I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on? Like, what, like, you need to be on my level, okay? So <laughs> we, already, we wow. already have so many, we already have different communication styles. So I think... And, be, you know, a lot of our relationship was long distance already. So when he moved to Houston, you know, just merging our two different lifestyles and that long distance relationship into now one one house, that was a big, um, what do you call it? A big, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Commitment? No, like it was like I had to really adapt to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so used to just being by myself, doing things on my own terms you know, everything, how I wanted on my own, walking and leaving, how I wanted on my own. But now it's just like, I have to, before I do anything, I have to think about both of us, right? How would it impact us? You know, not just how it would impact me. Like, what's the long run for us? Or what is it going to look like for us? So it's just like doing things now, just having to think about us as a bigger picture versus just thinking about me. Even though we were together, we weren't living together. So I would just do things just thinking about how it would impact me. I wouldn't really, because we didn't have, you know, joint accounts or we didn't have things together under our names and stuff like that. So just, you know, just putting things in different perspectives now that I'm thinking about two people. Sometimes I feel like I'm thinking about my, like, uh, my child at the same time. <laughs> don't let him hear you. Can he hear you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think the dynamic has changed? after marriage no no i think because we've been together for so long like we, i don't know i don't think the dynamic itself has changed i think I, what i do think is and i could and I, I don't know if i'm speaking for everyone but i could just be speaking for myself definitely i do think that when you get married though your expectations go up a little bit more because now you look at it like you're not just my boyfriend you're my husband right so your expectations go up a little bit more. And it could be vice versa, too. You know, the husband may look at the wife and be like, okay, you my wife now. Like, this is what I expect versus just as my girlfriend. 
I, I didn't expect X, Y, and Z. So I think sometimes those expectations go up a little bit more because now I'm looking at you as my husband, which is now the provider of this household, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, in all aspects. Do, do you feel um, Do you feel that you lucked up in a way? I mean, I, I know that you're a, you're Christian. I know I believe that. Um, but still, like, do you feel like there's no r- real way to say this is how I chose him? This is this is how it happened. Like. Did it just kind of happen or do you feel like, you know, like, how could you explain, you know, how y'all got together? We had an arranged marriage. I didn't know that. I'm just playing. I'm about to, like, I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, how you going to pull a me on me? Like, that's, damn, that was, that, you, I really, I, I, I was sold, like, instantly. Like, no. wow. No, I mean they do still do that, but no. I know, I know. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't have an arranged marriage. Um, we uh, we met through a mutual friend. It's so funny because the mutual friend we met through, he liked me, but I didn't like him. But mm. um, we didn't. We never, you know, did anything or had anything going on. But the, this particular mutual friend ended up, you know, getting a girlfriend, right? Because you know we didn't we didn't talk whatever. And he was like, oh, I have a friend. I want to introduce you to and all that stuff like that. So he gave me his name and I looked him up on Facebook and I remember being with my cousin and me looked at him on Facebook. He was just like, mm, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but mind you, this was like, this was when, like maybe 2012 or something like that. Yeah. So I was just like, mm. me and my cousin looked at each other like, mm, nah. But he messaged me, I messaged me like that either that same day or the next day because the friend gave him my number and he was just like, oh, I want to take you out to eat. And at that time, I was younger, right? So free food, like, I feel like all of us would have yes back then. Free food, we all, but I would have said, yeah, like, that was 10 years ago. I'm like, yeah, like, let's go out to eat. Why not? You know, we went out to eat, we talked. And it's so crazy because we the following week, I had already planned to move to Houston anyway. Like, this was also in Atlanta. But I was already planning to move to Houston. So, and I told him, I was like, well, I'm planning to move to Houston and I'm not looking for a long distance relationship. Like, I, and I feel like I'm planning, I was planning to move to Houston anyway, so I could kind of leave Atlanta behind me in, in a sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. because I wanted something new, something different. So I didn't really want no attachments except my family that I knew that I was going to be over there. So I feel like it's still, it was a weird coincidence how everything worked out, like how I met somebody the week before I moved to Houston. And even that night before I moved to Houston, he told me like, I feel like, you know, um, a part of me is gonna be missing when you leave. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, you just met me last week, like, stop it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> wow. stop, it, stop it, right? But it, yeah, it, we just literally communicated for back and forth for that whole year. And, you know, I would go to Atlanta, he will come to Houston. Crazy that he, he was actually born in Houston, but he didn't live here. You know, when you're born and you like move yeah, in. You move, yeah, you yeah, move, yeah, yeah. So that's exactly how it was. He was born in Houston, but, um, his, but he doesn't know anything because he literally moved instantly like back to Nigeria because that's where he went to school for a majority of his school time in Nigeria. But um, so yeah, so and then we just communicated back and forth. Um, and just visiting back and forth. And I think he he met my parents really early, like maybe the second or third year of us dating. That's when he met my parents and everything just really just seemed to just fall into place, Not you know, from there. Because he was the first Nigerian that I've ever been with. All my other boyfriends were all American. 
Okay. 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 So that yeah, that makes it so the cult so the culture thing was was not an issue. It was just yeah, culture was an issue. Even though we're two different tribes, and to some people they don't like tribal mixing, but that's really really older older like yeah, yeah. generation. Our parents. Our parents yeah. yeah, not even my my parents are really really my parents. Young? Oh yeah, my mom's in her seventies. Yo, yeah, my parents. I can marry a Chinese man and they will be fine. That's <laughs> right. Like, so parents, they're not more progressive. Yeah, yeah. My parents are very Americanized. You know, they've been here for years. They're very, yeah, they're very, very, you know, down to earth and all that stuff. They don't care about that. But like, even I would say, even his parents to a certain extent, because his parents have always lived in Nigeria. Like, they, you know, when you live somewhere for all your life, you only look at things one way. So to a certain extent, his parents still be like, oh, you know, well, where is she from? Where's her dad from? Where this? Because my real dad and my stepdad are from two different places. And my, my stepdad raised me, but I don't have a relationship with my real dad. But his parents were like, no, we need to go to find her real dad in it's in Nigeria somewhere. So they want to go pull my real dad. <laughs> real dad back, receipts. <laughs> back in the picture. Yeah, because they're very big on um lineage and we need to know where she came from and we need to speak to her real and all that stuff like that so how do you feel about that i had mixed feelings about it um because my stepdad raised me right so i felt like a lot of the respect should have went to my stepdad but his dad was Mm -hmm. more on like no this this is in 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 my culture her real dad is the person that needs to give the blessing and the person that needs to do this and do that. So like even our, they did a um, introduction and all that stuff on Nigeria, it was all in my real dad's family's house. All of it was in my real dad's family's house. But, and then your stepdad was, wow. but your stepdad was cool with it. I wouldn't say he was necessarily cool with it. He just didn't really have an option. <laughs> oh, dang. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would okay. like now when it came to like the like the white gown so they like my stepdad walked me down the aisle and stuff like that. Like my stepdad gave it away, but more of the all the culture stuff, it went through my role, dad. Okay, okay. I, I I definitely get it. Um see, and that's what I was talking about earlier when I talk about, you know, liberal and conservative. Like like you said, your parents is more they're down to earth, they're more progressive with it, they're more keeping up with the times, but his parents were more you know, they're tr- conserving tradition. And mm. it, it, we're always going to have mixed feelings about that because it, we're, we're constantly caught in that we want to move forward, you want to stay here, uh, we'll try to compromise. Because the end goal was, we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. But yeah, that's but that that's interesting. I, I, yeah. I've never heard nothing like that before. But I think it was more for me, like, I don't even have a relationship with this with this guy. Like, I don't even have a relationship with him. Why does he like, have any saying over what I'm doing right now? Exactly. That that was my whole thing about it. But it's it's and, and not to get too deep. But are y'all are, are y'all did y'all try to make something after? Like, did y'all start trying to communicate after that? Since after you met him and it's okay. on and off. Like we will text on holidays, like something like that. Like he would say, "Oh, Merry Christmas," or like "Happy New Year," something like that. Stuff like that but not just like random chit chat conversations. No, it's not deep. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, cool. no, no, that's cool. Okay, okay, well. Uh, we, we we could keep you on for another two three hours, but <laughs> we we know we know your husband probably waiting on you, and uh, we know we know how Vito got things to do, and obviously I got things to do. So you already know this segment is words of advice, and um, Jay, you want to start it off or you want me to go? No, I'll start it off. Go ahead, brother. Um, my words of advice are: you've never heard a tree grow; 
you only see it blossom. So you don't have to talk about your growth. You don't have to talk about the moves you make. If you do it right, they'll be seen. Hey, I can dig it. I can dig it. Um, I'll go ahead, uh, take the microphone and, um, I'm just, I'm going to be a little silly with it, but, um, just based on what I've been seeing on social media for the last week or two, um, I really pray for y'all because y'all y'all really y'all silly out here, man. Um, y'all talk about y'all staying with Ukraine, and y'all y'all couldn't even point Ukraine out on the map. Y'all have no idea what's going on in Ukraine. Like, I'm just I'm just tired of all the social justice, all this social awareness stuff that y'all not even really aware about. So I'm just gonna say, yeah, y'all just need to relax. Yeah, like y'all put so, so much of y'all energy in the things that are truly trivial in the grand scheme of things. And even then, if they're not trivial from a perspective of like, if you were on the ground in Russia or Ukraine, like, like this, this, let's stop capping. Like we always see the caps, the blue caps all over, all over Instagram and social media. Like how about take a step back and stop capping yourselves. And that's my advice. Like stop fronting, stop capping and be real. Cause y'all don't care. And y'all are not going to care two weeks from now. But yeah, that's what I got. Y'all in deep. It's it's funny because I just seen that Ukraine has agreed to have talks with Russia at some border. I was like, this has been a hell of a week. <laughs> hey man, I yeah, exactly, exactly. But what you got, Miss Remy? I think for me, I'm I'm, I'm going go a little bit different direction. <laughs> something I've been kind of working on, you know, with myself and just people that I interact. But it's just it's just this quote that says, um, "Give people their flowers while they can still smell it." Right. And it's just more about just appreciating people, loving on people, you know, telling people that you're proud of them because you don't know what tomorrow it will bring, right? People are, you could be talking to somebody today and they're gone tomorrow, right? And this girl put a post on Instagram saying like, just she has all these black content creator, people that follow her, but nobody ever supports her post. Like they don't like it, they don't acknowledge it, they don't do the stuff on the poll and all that stuff like that. So. You know, me and her just went in a, a conversation about how, you know, we we just don't acknowledge each other as much as we are supposed to. Like, and I don't know if people are just maybe jealous or hating or whatever the case is, but I just told myself, like, I'm just going to go on my way just to make sure, especially black people, I'm going to just go ahead and appreciate, acknowledge more black people, buy for more black businesses. That has been one of my goals this year. I've been buying for a lot more black businesses and just, you know, giving people their flowers and just enjoying people while they're still here. I can dig it. I can dig it. Uh, me and Jay are very familiar with our, our polls and things being ignored. <laughs> and uh, I don't, the reason Fun I time. don't take, yeah, yeah, I don't take it to heart is because I, I'm good at making excuses for people. And I just think most people are shy. And I think most people sometimes they just, they don't really have anything to say and they rather just hear what you have to say. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't take it too personal. But if I was like on a full-on business, and I really like me, me, me and Jay, we just enjoy doing the No Boundaries podcast because we like talking shit, we like venting, and we like hearing other people's opinions. Uh, so, so for the most part. But if this was like a legitimate twenty-four-seven trying to grind, make money, I'd really be upset with people that wouldn't do basic things like liking or sharing or commenting on a post because that shit is essential to growing a person's online business. The less you interact with a a, a page, the less likely people are going to be to see uh, it. Yeah, and they're not going to see it. And I saw, I, I know it was off on time, but it was another thing, it was like customer, no, 
custom. Wait, let me think about it. <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> let me think about the quote, but it said pretty much indicating that um, a customer will become a friend before a friend becomes a customer. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. it was it, it like it just hit deep because it's like you get these people that that've been knowing you for a long time and you could start a business and they won't like share hit nothing but you get these random people that just met you today off the cuff of your business and now they're doing a full blown review and sharing it to their friends and all that stuff like that and it just made me think about how many times I have posted stuff and I know there's people that I've known for years and they don't repost they don't act, you know nothing and but they will look they will look they will look they'll be the first look. to look at your story look 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 but no share no repost no nothing look but then like i i'll meet a whole i know a whole group of people that i just met yesterday and now you know they they're all in love with whatever i'm trying to promote so yeah that's how it be you blow up in other cities before you blow up in yours but um, once again, um, I, I we really appreciate you coming on. Um, we we hope that when you when you get to Nashville, um, you enjoy it and you settle down and you anything that you have, you know, as far as dreams. I hope they I hope they all come true. Amen. Um, That's a prayer right here. And <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, you know, like seriously, and um, you know, this. I hope you make some. You know, the next time you're in a clubhouse. Um, you you just you keep casually ignoring the moan room because uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't even open that door. Don't even open don't, that don't door. even do that to yourself. But uh, anyways, like as always, thank you and you're welcome. And uh, yeah, and for sure, for y'all that haven't listened to Notes to Self, remember it's uh it's in Apple Music, Spotify, and pretty much on it's on plenty of streaming platforms, and it's Remy. And uh, spell your last name for that. It's still the it's still your old last name on there, right? Yeah, it's still my old last name. Um, Remy Umana U M A N A H. Yep. There you go. Okay, listen right now. Give me, send me my coins. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> and uh, with that being said, this has been the No Boundaries Podcast. Thank you for listening. But ever since the dawn of civilization. People have craved for an understanding of the underlying order of the world. There ought to be something very special about the boundary conditions of the universe. And what can be more special than that there is no boundary?